I've got some bad news. Your baby girl might get cancer one day when she grows up. So we are going to go ahead and do a mastectomy on her before we discharge you home from the hospital after birth to reduce her risk of breast cancer. Is that okay? I bet you just cringed, didn't you? Did you know, though, that circumcisions are often sold to parents as being something that could prevent various illnesses, including cancer? But those things are very rare and often aren't issues until adulthood. Yet we are told we should permanently alter our baby boys at just a couple days of life. We should remove perfectly healthy tissue just in case. This episode in our series is going to look at some of the ethical issues that circumcision brings about, including this one. Let's go. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. So it has been a heavy couple of days. We have talked about a topic that is just not fun to talk about. But today, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. And this time, we're going to talk about the ethical considerations of circumcision and the things that we need to be thinking about before we make this permanent decision for our baby boys. To get started, I just want to do a quick recap of a few things that are going to be important for us to have in the front of our minds today as we enter this discussion. First, just remember that as a culture, we have pathologized, which means basically made like there's something wrong with it, <laughs> a normal part of the male anatomy. There, it's, it's not even present on pictures and diagrams in pretty much every textbook. And I mentioned yesterday that all but one of mine there was no foreskin present at all, and the one where it was present, it was because there was something wrong with it. There's no real education on the purpose of the foreskin for pretty much anyone. Doctors are really only taught how to remove it. They're not taught about it much at all. They're also taught the wrong way to care for it for the people who choose not to remove it. And we're going to talk about that more tomorrow. And we're also going to get into a few more details about the anatomy of the foreskin as we work through this conversation today. The first thing we really want to think about today is, is who gets to decide whether a baby has a circumcision? Well, as parents, we presumably get 100% say in what treatments our kids get. And I say presumably because sometimes people try to impose on that a bit. You know, if your baby is sick, do you give the baby antibiotics and take them to, or take them to the doctor and give them antibiotics, or do you not? 
If there is something that needs surgery, do you do it or do you not? Sometimes we can get pressured into doing treatments maybe we don't really want to do under the guise of the government knowing better or the doctor knowing better. But in general, if you were to push those issues in court, the parent ultimately has the right to make decisions for the baby. But what makes this particular situation different? Yes, the parent does get to decide. But this is mainly a cosmetic surgery. Would we remove other parts of a baby because we wanted them to look different? Would we dream of removing part of our girl's genitals because they want them to look or we want them to look different? We wouldn't dream of that. And yet it's done every day in our country to baby boys without their informed consent. Let's talk about that. Informed consent. Informed consent by whom? The person who is being most impacted by this procedure. In fact, the person who's being almost entirely impacted can't speak for themselves. And while this procedure is sold as being easier when the baby is a baby, it's not a time-sensitive decision. It's not a time-sensitive procedure. It can be held off until adulthood and allow the person to decide for themselves. But once it's done as a baby, it's done. There's no going back. So what if that person didn't want it done? Then what? That person's informed consent has been violated. So that's the first big ethical issue here is that the person who is being mainly impacted by this non-essential procedure has no say and they may not want it. Granted, they're too little to tell you at this point, but that alone is reason to wait. Give them time to grow up and decide for themselves. The second thing to think about ethically is the sexual consideration. And this is weird to think about. I know. It's a baby. You don't want to think about this baby's sexual future. But guess what? This baby has a sexual future. One account I heard was from a person who was in his 30s. And he said he he had gotten circumcised as an adult. And he stated that it was the greatest mistake of his life. He said that his sensation was reduced by around 70%, both in intensity, how strong the feelings were, and in the range of sensation, meaning what various things he felt. The greatest mistake of his life, and I've heard several accounts that are similar to that. You can find stories like that on the internet. The foreskin is the most erogenous tissue on the male body. If you take into account the whole thing, the parts that are internal and the parts that are external and how it all works. As an adult, it's around 12 to 15 square inches. But in that 12 to 15 square inches, which is fairly small, it's about the size of an index card, there are 10 to 12,000 nerve endings. And we are cutting those off. Additionally, the foreskin and the Lubricant that is underneath the foreskin after the adhesions wear away later on in life and the foreskin becomes retractable, that lubrication adds to the female lubrication, making it a more pleasurable experience. And we're taking that away. 
The foreskin also contains something called a dartos muscle, which helps the penis respond to cold and stress and fear. It, it kind of brings it interior to protect it, which is a normal thing. But when you take that foreskin off, that help of protecting the penis as it kind of tries to retract to get away from the cold or the, the stressful situation, it's gone and you can't get it back. So now we've violated informed consent. We've affected this person sexually for their entire life. That's the first two ethical considerations. But what about the health benefits? You know, we're told that there's all these great things that a man can gain by being circumcised. But is that true? We're told that there's a decrease in the incidence of urinary tract infections. Well, folks, look around. Boys and men hardly ever get urinary tract infections. In fact, when I try to explain what a urinary tract infection feels like to a man, I've tried to explain it to my husband before. He just looks at me crazy, like I'm crazy. He is like, it's what? It feels like what? It's not something they hardly ever experience. It's about a 1% incidence rate. And you know what will reduce that by 300% according to one source? Exclusively breastfeeding. So instead of permanently altering a baby boy, you can breastfeed him and get even better results than you could by removing the skin. Mind-boggling, huh? They don't tell you that part. So we're told also that circumcising will decrease the risk a baby has for contracting HIV as an adult. Well, let's look at the logic of this one. The U.S. has the highest rate of circumcisions across the board. It's the only country that routinely circumcises baby boys anymore. And we've got the highest rate of circumcisions across the board. So if that is true, and with that being true, why does the U.S. also have the highest rate of HIV of any industrialized nation? If that circumcision really did prevent HIV the way it's being told to us that it does, how can that be true? How can we have the highest rate of HIV? Do you know what else can help to reduce the rate of HIV? Teaching your boys the sanctity of their bodies, teaching them about waiting for marriage, teaching them not to just be putting their penis in the old place. <laughs> Some good Christian, godly sex education, helping them to understand the, the beauty of a godly marriage and the beauty of a godly sexual relationship, wherein there is no risk of HIV. But again, we're not told that, are we? That's not popular these days. In fact, some of you listening to me say that probably thinks I'm crazy for saying it. But guess what? I'm not saying something that God didn't say. And I'll go ahead and err on the side of his wisdom. What about the benefit, we're told, of decreasing the risk of excuse me, cervical cancer for future female partners? Well, again, I would refer back to the last one about they're not being partners. Maybe it should just be partner, but I digress. But tell me why we would do surgery on our baby boy, a brand new baby boy, 
to protect a potential, potential future female partner. What if that baby boy grows up and decides not to get married and doesn't ever have sex? Well, then they've gone through this awful procedure for nothing. Now, granted, that doesn't happen very often, that situation. It's a very good likelihood that this boy is going to someday have a female partner. But if that female partner loves that boy, then man, do you think that she would want him to have that permanently altering surgery to protect her? I really don't think so. And lastly, for the health benefits, we're also told that it decreases the risk of penile cancer. Well, first of all, the American Cancer Society says that's not true. But even if it is, realize that the risk or the incidence of penile cancer is 1 in 100,000. So it's really irrelevant. You're going to do a permanently altering surgery to reduce a risk that's only 1 in 100,000? Would you do prophylactic mastectomies on baby girls to decrease the chance that she might get breast cancer as an adult? And breast cancer has a much higher incidence than penile cancer. And yet we wouldn't dream of removing a baby girl's breast buds just in case she might get cancer one day. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, so those are the health presumed health benefits. Can't call them health benefits because we've debunked them all. So let's move on to the next ethical issue. It looks better or you want him to look like daddy because daddy's circumcised. Let me ask you this. Would we do a nose job on a baby to make him or her look like mom? Of course not. Now, this whole thing about the baby boy then as a little boy looking like daddy. I don't know. Is this something boys really do? I'm a girl. I guess I don't fully understand that. But I've never seen my son go into a room with his dad so they could compare their penises. Is that a thing? (laughs) Maybe it is. Maybe you can correct me and tell me. But I just don't see how permanently surgically altering a boy just so he can look like a parent can in any way have any ethical relevancy. You know, I have different hair than my mom. My chest size is different. I'm much taller than her. None of those things is like my mom's. And yet, I don't think I'm any less hers. I don't think I don't belong or anything like that. Maybe it's different. Maybe boys are different. But I just can't see how you could justify this procedure knowing what you know from what you learned last episode and the video that you watched. How can you justify that just so a boy can look a little bit more like his daddy in a place that they almost never look at? Because... I just, I just don't see boys with their penises out all the time. Maybe that's just my house. I don't know. <laughs> so moving on to the next one. This last one is probably going to shock you. You may not be aware of this. But this is probably the biggest ethical consideration of them all. Because herein lies the motive. So you always wonder, why are these things being done? Why is this a practice? Why is this a routine? 
Well, what if I told you that the foreskins of the baby boys who are being circumcised are being used for commercial purposes? Were you aware of that? Let me say it again. Foreskins of baby boys who are being circumcised are being used for commercial purposes and very lucrative commercial purposes, might I add. They're used in research for something called in vitrogen for around $350 to $500 per vial. A vial is a very small little bottle used in medical purposes. $350 to $500 a vial. Now, bear in mind, those parents who are having their baby circumcised, they're not getting that money. They're not getting any of that. And by the way, I want you to look these things up. I want you to verify this for yourself. Take the names of the products that I'm, or the companies that I'm citing, and then just type in your search bar, that name and foreskin, and it'll come right up. So first one used in research. Second, used as a magic skin treatment called Aplograph, A-P-L-I-G-R-A-F. Because see, this one and the next one, see, foreskins have stem cells and all these great youthful cells in them that these companies can capitalize on because they help skin look younger. Don't even think about the fact that these people are rubbing (laughs) penis cells on their face. But these treatments are sold for astronomical amounts at the cost of your baby's pain. And then the last one is for a cosmetic purpose. There's a cosmetic made by a company called Intercytex, I-N-T-E-R-C-Y-T-E-X. And those go for around $1,000 a vial. You can hear about all that in the video that I cited in the last episode as well. You can go learn more about them. But you can also look them up for yourselves and see for yourself. So with all of those ethical issues, including that last one, which is particularly disgusting, let's talk about the complications that a circumcision carries because there is an ethical issue here and that you're you're exposing your baby to these complications for a purely cosmetic purpose with no medical indication. First of all, 100% of boys who are circumcised, 100% will have surgical scarring, 100%. Sometimes they don't realize what they're looking at as a scar, but every adult male who has been circumcised has a scar on their penis that is from that circumcision. 15% of those who have circumcisions will have penile adhesions that need further medical attention, maybe further surgery sometimes. There are conditions like punctures, skin bridges, something called a buried penis. Doesn't sound too good to me. There's even been stories of amputations. So imagine that. You're just going to supposedly make this penis look better, look more like daddy. And it gets cut off either through negligence or possibly something went wrong and eventually that's the end result is that it has to be removed. Imagine the psychological impact that that would have on a boy for something that was not necessary. There's also breastfeeding problems that come with it because the baby now has a painful situation that makes it hard for it to be belly to belly with mama to get a good latch. 
there's a risk of bleeding. And remember, babies don't have very much blood to lose, especially if their cord was clamped early. They don't have a lot to lose. And these super absorbent diapers we have these days hide bleeding really well. There can be a long-term aggravated response to pain, meaning they're just kind of irritable and very little can make them act like they're hurting really bad. There can be infection, inflammation of the urinal, ur, um, urinary opening, the meatus. There can be necrosis, which is cell death, permanent disability, and even death. In fact, one of the things that caused the circumcision rate to drop in the 50s was a report of a few deaths because the circumcision's gone wrong, frequently from bleeding issues. So all of those things are potential complications of various rates that are completely unnecessary. Now, finally, I want you to do the hard thing of thinking about what your baby boy is thinking and feeling during this procedure. I want you to imagine being taken from the warmth and the familiarity of your mom's arms. I want you to imagine being put in a cart that's called a baby bed, (laughs) being rolled down a hall, put in a cold room with voices that you don't recognize. Imagine being undressed, strapped to a cold plastic board, and then you start feeling strange sensations. First you feel cold and wet, then pain, then tugging, then more pain. You cry and you cry and you cry more and you scream, but mom doesn't come. You just about can't breathe because you're crying so hard and nobody comes to your aid as you scream. And all you can think is, where did my mama go? Where is mom? Why won't she help me? Well, she can't help you because she's down the hall and has no idea what you're going through. Now you get more cold goo on that sore, just terribly sore area. And now you get a diaper put back on it. But man, ouch, that hurts now. And that hurt goes on for a week or more. Then the first time you pee, ouch again, that burning. Then the diaper change and maybe... Maybe that scar or the the open wound sticks to the diaper and pulls the scab off. Ouch again. Oh my goodness, that hurts so bad. You know, it's interesting to note that one source I read said that premature babies or sick babies don't need to have a circumcision done because of the amount of stress that it puts on them. They just can't handle it. So help me understand why. That amount of stress is okay for other babies who are still brand new and are still adjusting to this new life outside of their mom. All for what? Because culture made us think it's what we're supposed to do. Why do we think that we need to remove something that God put there that obviously has a purpose. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't needed. Why do we want to put our baby boys at risk of all these complications 
while guaranteeing that we impact them sexually for a lifetime and guaranteeing that we're causing scarring. Guaranteeing that they will never feel the full pleasure that God intended for them to have with their wife one day. Why would we do that? There's no religious mandate. Not anymore. And even then, it wasn't what it's being sold as now. So I want you to think about this deeply. I want you to have these discussions with your husband. If he's for it, help him to understand. Because if he fully understands, I don't believe that he will choose to put his son through unnecessary pain just to look more like him. I hope that this series is helping you. I hope it's helping you adjust your perspective if you weren't sure about this. Or maybe you just didn't feel like you knew enough to make a good decision. I hope, I hope you're learning and I hope you're able to make better decisions now. If you have questions or want to talk this through, jump over in our community and let's talk about it. There's a link down in the show notes for how to get there. And there's also lots of other links to help you with various aspects of this whole parenthood, motherhood journey, figuring out the ropes, learning your way if you don't quite know the right thing to do. So tomorrow we're going to conclude our series on circumcision and we're going to talk about how to care for your baby boy's penis either way. We're going to talk about caring for, mainly we're going to talk about caring for intact boys because that's the one that has the hardest time finding good information. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that most, but I'll also t- touch on how to care for the circumcised penis should you decide to go ahead and do that. So set your reminders now. I know you're not used to having episodes on Fridays. Make sure you set your reminder so that you can go listen to it tomorrow, and I'll see you right back here then. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.